Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome in on a Tuesday morning, May 23rd, 2023. Starting out your morning at 61 degrees in the capital city. Getting in the mid-80s today for a high. Sunny skies once again. Good, busy show for you today on a Tuesday morning. Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska, joins us today. A little bit later, we will talk to Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, and John Baylor as well so a busy day of guests also have your morning drive we'll count down the five things you're going to be talking about today your sound off with the clips that are making news this morning and a whole lot more so welcome in on a tuesday to the show let's just jump right in because yesterday was a busy news day in the area the university of nebraska has maybe maybe uh, still got to go through all the uh the official 30-day open meetings and uh, comment period, uh, but on the verge of having what looks like a new chancellor here, uh, the former Southern Miss Chancellor, Southern Mississippi Chancellor Rodney D. Bennett, the priority candidate to be the 21st chancellor of the University of Nebraska, has been at Southern Miss, as I said, most recently for about a decade there been 30 years in higher education and uh this is the candidate that uh the committee the search firm uh ended up selecting and putting forward now and so now he goes through a process as i said uh for the uh for the the comment the public meetings it's uh, according to law that this is the way that they do it instead of naming finalists and going through that process it's they name basically one finalist that's the preferred candidate and then they put them through sort of this process. We saw this happen most recently, probably in a way that people would talk about and remember at the University of Florida when Ben Sass was uh, named as the priority candidate there, essentially for the presidential spot at the University of Florida. So this will be the uh, first external hire to lead the university as chancellor in, boy, I don't even remember since the last one, but it's a couple of, couple of decades ago at that point so bringing someone in from outside who isn't connected to the university of nebraska um uh, the uh president ted carter said he is a uh, of bennett he's a high energy champion for student success uh and then talked about his experience uh, growing research expenditures managing campus facility growth renewal and, and coming at a time guys where university uh university of nebraska lincoln Enrollment is down to a place that it hasn't been for almost 15 years at this point. And with that brings along financial challenges, brings along other challenges as well. And so I'm sure that's going to be one of the things, too, that is front and center on the potential new chancellor's desk. Uh, Mark, anything else to add on uh, just on, on that? Uh, uh, to be um, following Ronnie Green as UNL Chancellor, you know, that's uh, that's quite a, a large role to fill. I agree, yeah. Uh, he's been 10 years as president of the university. I don't know whether that uh, in a system like that, whether these are equal positions or whether, uh, obviously, this is a much larger campus, lar- larger student. That's probably uh, the biggest thing, yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, but his 30 years, he seems to have a, a pretty good uh, resume behind him and the... Uh, 
he's considered a priority candidate is the term they use mm-hmm. and uh, but chances are it'll sail on through yeah i'm, I'm going to be curious to hear because it still has a long way to go in the courts to to figure out the Brett Favre uh, scandal that down with Southern Miss. So he had some involvement in that. Well, I, I don't know if this chancellor, if this priority candidate okay. did, it, because it, it involved the university and a wellness center on campus, and the f- specific funds that were being used were not necessarily supposed to be used for building something on a campus and the way those donations yeah. work out and how everybody ends up making money. So it'll be interesting to see, one, how all of that plays out legally, but two, what he is able to say, whether it's out in the open or behind closed doors, about what he knows, what went on. Um, because the last thing you want is to hire someone and then right away they're in legal trouble. Well, that's the most high-profile story like around the country. <laughs> yeah. For, for probably for better or worse, probably for worse, for the Southern Miss University, mm-hmm. um, who Favre is one of their... Their alums are fifty-six years old. Agree, just a lot of you know, a lot of uh, time in Tennessee, Knoxville, native, bachelor's degree from Middle Tennessee State, uh, doctorate from Tennessee State University. Um, worked at his alma mater for a time. Was at Winthrop University in South Carolina. Um, dean of students for University of Georgia. Uh, at that point, then became the vice president of student affairs at Athens, Georgia. Um, and that was when, uh, Hank Bounds at that point, former Nebraska president, uh, was the com- commissioner of Mississippi institutions of higher learning, tapped him to, to go to Southern Miss at that point, And he became the first African-American president of Southern Miss and would be the first African-American, uh, leader at, in the chancellor role at the university of Nebraska as well. And so that was kind of the, uh, the process that he had gone through before he got here at this point. So, yeah, the vetting period, uh, if everything goes um, uh, forward, uh, probably be presented to the uh, Board of Regents on June twenty second. Okay, all right. So there you go. That is uh, that is the latest on a process that's been kind of quietly ongoing in the uh, in the background here. And now the university community will uh, will be taking a look at this. And yes, uh, we'll will very, very possibly, probably likely be the uh, the chance of the university as I send a student there for the first time uh, coming up next oh, fall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so maybe. Hopefully uh, hopefully my son doesn't end up in his office. They don't really do that, do they? <laughs> I'm going to send you, hey, if you don't stop horsing around, I'm sending you to the chancellor's office. They are nice people to, to have a good relationship with, though. I would think so, De- yes. Deans and chancellors, those yeah. are nice people to get to know and have lunch with every now and again. Yeah. So and ju- just to clarify, this is the chancellor of UNL. Yes, yes, that, not yes, not, not, the, not the, the the president position is for the whole system. Yeah, system right. president and campus UNL chancellor. Chancellor. Yes, yes. yes. So uh, there you go. So we got that news there. And then in the legislature, uh, moving forward on voter ID uh, vote <laughs> yesterday, where there was only one opposing vote to the. Um, the committee slash, slash secretary of state version of how to handle voter ID after it was passed by lawmakers, um, passed, like I said, overwhelmingly with only one no vote, which is from Senator Slama. And she has had, she's got some real closely held problems with the way that the voter ID legislation is concocted. Uh, essentially, just to give you an overview of 
kind of what what the discussion is about and what the concerns are um, among some. Here's here's the one of the ways. A lot of this was focusing on how do you check IDs via mail, right? It's, right. it's pretty obvious how you do it in person. Obviously, you need some rules and regs around that. But how do you do it logistically when someone is voting by mail? The way that they decided to do it in this bill is essentially when you request a mail ballot, a ballot, you write down your ID number on the request. That is then checked against the database. If that everything is is clear there, then you get the ballot, and then you can just vote as regularly, and there's no checking that goes on after the fact. There's no verification, though, of that photo ID, just the number. Right. The, yeah. fo- the photo portion. The, right. They're checking that the name on the application matches yeah. the name on the ID, and, I assume. And Senator Slama says the um, initiative, ballot initiatives, said photo. Right. So she, yes. Yeah, so she, she, what she would have liked to have seen is that it is checked by a notary public, essentially, or another witness. Or she, she did say that that would be a possibility. Okay, potential for another witness, some witness that vouches essentially that they've seen the photo right. ID at the time of voting, and then at that point that is sent in. And if it's got the notary, if I'm understanding this right, the witness, the notary. Uh, then that would be uh, an acceptable ballot Correct. at that point. And the the former situation is the one that is in the bill. So it's the, you send it in with a number. If that checks out as much as it can check out at that point, then you get the ballot back and you can v- just go ahead and vote like you normally would have at that point. The other thing that she was... Um, that she was saying needed to be more more strict on this whole thing had to do with the uh, she basically said she wanted um additional layers on the actual voter registration process additional layers of security that would check for citizenship right now um saying basically if you use the motor voter process of the DMV you have checks but the other ways that you do it don't have the type of scrutiny that she would have liked to have seen on that so that was another issue that she had and then the third is some of the exceptions that are built in here for the voter ID and that's got to do with people with disabilities religious objections to being photographed people who lost IDs would be voting provisionally and so she was saying there are too many exceptions or she didn't like those exceptions that exist for the actual photo ID requirement. So that's that's kind of where it stands right now. It passed. Um, I, I presume this will get the signature from the governor. No, this uh, this was first round. And we'll, yeah. When it gets. Yeah. Uh, yes. That assuming it goes forward, I should okay. have said. So, yes. yeah, we're still early in the process. That's a good point. Things could change. But assuming it passes, Senator Slama was saying, well, you know, this. This could end up in a special session here at this point and that it's got concern in the courts. I assume that the way that that would come up is that there's an interested party uh, who files suit essentially saying what the legislature passed does not jibe with the constitutional amendment that the voters put into law. And that would be the basis of the lawsuit that could result if that happened, that could result in the need for a special session to, to change this up. But but again, pointing out that the bill had widespread, widespread approval among Democrats, Republicans. Well, yeah, that was the 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 Secretary of State's <laughs> office. All of those things. Yeah, that that's where it got a little political because the Government and Military Affairs Committee, uh, two members, uh, Daniel Conrad and 
Jane Raybould, both Democrats, had pushed back against the, the constitutional amendment. They were not for that, but now they've approved this uh, right. this portion. Uh, they also said that they had 92 of the state's 93 election commissioners that approved it. Okay, uh, Sarpy County election commissioner did not uh, like the uh, committee proposal. Interesting. But that's Slama's sister. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so, gotcha. So there's, you know, some political and familial uh, relationships there that kind of, yeah. it, it just comes in there in mm-hmm. typical political fashion. Yeah. So it looks, I mean, so barring, I mean, it looks like, again, we've, this has kind of been our, our, uh, lot over the course of the last few weeks is sort of <laughs> projecting careful. out what happens <laughs> and always saying we don't know for sure but it it would look like based on what we've seen in that initial vote that this is going to have the support to to get passed we also, uh, over the objections of senator slama we also figured quite strongly that the abortion change was not going to happen this session it's true no that's why i say yeah. <laughs> we always have that that disclaimer and and things could go different and yeah it, and it and here we are where it was signed into law yesterday yes. uh, by the governor with a bunch of members of the legislature who were supporting it, uh, flanking him, and uh, I believe his own grandchild that he was holding during uh, that's right. during it as well. So we got that all going on. Um, and then uh, yesterday, Caleb Trev Alberts on KLIN on Sports Nightly. I thought a couple of things were, were interesting, but the, the main one, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the show today, but... There was a story yesterday that the Big Ten TV deal, this big, (laughs) massive TV deal that's really funding these university athletic departments in the Mm -hmm. Big Ten over the in the future with gobs and gobs and gobs of money that the uh, that it's not totally complete and that there are still some hang ups in this whole thing. One of which is that although Big Ten universities approved it, you've got a handful of. The old-timers, uh, well, Penn State may not be an old-timer. They're relatively new. But Michigan and Ohio State didn't like the idea that was required in the TV deal by NBC for there to be Big Ten games in primetime, nighttime, in November. And they weren't interested in that, I guess, presumably because of weather. I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out exactly why else that that's an issue, but pretty sure the yeah. – pretty sure you're in your states the cincinnati Bengals and the pittsburgh steelers are playing and cleveland browns are playing night games in november on monday night football but and you're very likely between those three schools you get to a 12 team playoff one of you guys you're not going to be a top four seed but you might be the next four which means in that scenario you're going to have a night game in december very likely well trev said that he is not on the on the bandwagon with uh with Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. If, if Nebraska ends up with a November night game, Nebraska ends up with a November night game. Yep. And they'll embrace it. Said uh, on, the, on the one hand, as part of the conference, you want to have um, linear control of the major networks and you want to own a college football Saturday. And for Nebraska's part, I've got it coming up in sports. He's raising his hand every day and twice well, on Saturday. I mean, put Nebraska in prime time every single guys, time if people don't want it. Part of the reason is why, part of the reason why the the campus, why the athletic departments and the conference are getting so much money for this is because you're providing gobs of content. Yes, right. And November is arguably the most exciting month of the college football season. And evening, nighttime, is the best window for the television networks to get on their primetime games. And so if you've got this new shiny thing, NBC says, I've got access to Big Ten teams. 
part of the reason you're getting gobs of money is saying put them on TV at night. Exactly. That's that goes along with this. Being cold goes along with making gobs of money. You're not going to play point. every game at noon or two thirty. That's yes. not how it works. Put a dome on it. Yeah, no kidding. Maybe they'd get get an indoor stadium or something there if they can't handle. I mean, jeez. It's just sad. It's a lot of whining from the old timers. Yeah, it is kind of. It is. All right, that's what we got going on. 58 degrees in the capital city right now. Did you hear about the Nebraska rancher out west that got attacked by a herd of cattle? No. He's okay. He was just grazed. 625. We've got sports coming up next. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com to get today's top local and Husker news sent straight to your email. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln. And conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. All right, welcome back. Three days away from Request Line Friday and in honor of a lot of uh, high school students having already graduated or graduating this coming weekend. We are doing the graduation edition of LNK Today with Jack and Friends. And so we want you to go back to your own graduation year and give us... Uh, if there is a specific song that was uh, associated with it, or if you just want to go out and uh, pick the the song of the spring and summer for the year that you were a graduate and just kind of take take it back to a uh, journey on that, we'd love for you to do that. Just Google the, the top songs of that year and pick one out, and uh, we'd love to hear it. So we'll have a variety of eras on the show, all celebrating graduates, and so that should be fun for a Friday morning. You can text those in right now. To the KLIN text line at 402-479-1400. Get in early. Don't wait till the last minute. It always ends up getting uh, uh, getting a little bit more love for your song if you do it a little bit earlier on that. All right. Lots to get to on LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Let's jump in first on the sound off. A sort of mysterious truck crash outside of the White House. Yesterday, did you hear no. about this? Take a listen. The Secret Service says a driver may have intentionally rammed a box truck into a security barrier near the White House. That driver's been arrested. There were also concerns about what may have been inside that truck. 
Hotels in the area were evacuated as a remote-controlled robot pried open the truck's rear door. Reuters says a Nazi flag and a backpack appear to have been recovered from the vehicle, but D.C. police deemed the truck to be safe. Secret Service sent out a tweet saying none of their personnel or White House staffers were hurt in the incident. In Washington, Jill Nato, Fox News. What? Okay, so... There's a lot happening here. So you have that at the White House within a month of someone putting like the weight on the gas pedal and trying to run the car into the Capitol right. here. Yeah. What? Yeah. Wow. So, but so they there was a yes. Uh, evidently, the the investigators found a Nazi swastika flag from inside of the truck, but nothing nothing else. They basically are saying the driver intentionally struck the security barriers at Lafayette Square, and then there wasn't anything else to that. It's, you can see the pictures and the videos. It's a U-Haul truck that's basically stopped alongside of um, these these kind of steel barricades and law enforcement, obviously, all over all over the thing. They got the remote-controlled robot to open that thing up. And it drove right into the uh, right into the barricades on this whole thing, but that's all there. That's all there really was at that point. Um, so, I assume hopefully we'll find out more about that today. Here at this point, they they uh, they evacuated the Hay Adams Hotel, which is right over there in that in that same area. Um, the Secret Service asked them to do that, but. Nothing else at that. That was last night at about almost just before 10 o'clock, I believe, local time there in the East Coast. So there is the latest. We talked, guys, with AI and about deep fakes a lot about how there is the potential for fake photos, especially fake photos, but fake other things as well, to look like they are legit and then become the perception, at least for a short period of time, that this is real news or real events or something happened. Well, we got our first, ta- not our first taste of that, but maybe our one of our more significant tastes of that. With it a little, it got a little extended run. Yeah, yesterday, um, and impacted impacted a lot of things. In fact, maybe impacted some of your investments. A photo of black smoke billowing next to a building spread through social media like wildfire Monday. The post claiming it showed an explosion near the Pentagon. Fire officials in Arlington, Virginia, jumped online to say the image is not real, but the photo was picked up by several outlets, including the Russian government-backed media company RT. The image also shared among investors, and in a matter of minutes, the S&P 500 dropped by a few points. Things calmed down after a tweet from the Pentagon Force Protection Agency that said there is no explosion or incident taking place at or near the Pentagon. Jill Nato, Fox News. So this is how it's going to be, huh? This is how it's going to be, is we're going to have fake pictures that people think are real for a while and so significant that it is impacting the U.S. stock market in this case. I saw the picture. I mean, it looked real uh, but it uh, did you see the picture no it I just didn't. looked like just i mean you can google it and you'll see a million versions of it but essentially as you see a building and then there's just a big kind of dark cloud of smoke billowing up from the sky it looked like it was just in the aftermath of an explosion uh at the pentagon and didn't happen not not there at all it wasn't though it didn't look like the most complex 
AI job. It looks like something that you could have done 10 years ago, frankly, yeah. but and still made it look convincing. But um, for whatever reason, it but, got, got But he, here's the thing. 10 years ago, though, how quickly could something have taken off online in the same way? Maybe a little slow. Like, I mean, like, you pretty much had all the same things, but maybe a little slower. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, like, right now, you can get something on Twitter, and if it starts to get the right couple of retweets... There's more expanded usage. It's, it's, you know? it's gone for sure. Yeah. Ten years ago, it would have been a lot slower of a burn compared to what you were able to do yesterday. Yes, yes. Uh, this is a... Man, this is quite a story. Uh, so, allegations now of uh, Bill Gates' connection to... Jeffrey Epstein, um, now deceased Jeffrey Epstein, because, well, I'm going to let them explain this in the clip, but she jumps right into talking about this person, Antonova. Now, Antonova is evidently a Russian bridge player that Bill Gates was allegedly having an affair with. A Russian bridge player. That is interesting. Um, And how this all connects through apparently, through apparently Epstein on this whole thing. Take a listen. Epstein met Antonova three years later and reportedly paid for her to attend a software coding school. Then in 2017, the Wall Street Journal reports that Epstein emailed Gates asking to be reimbursed for those costs. This came, writes the paper, after Epstein failed to persuade the billionaire to contribute to a charitable fund that Epstein had tried to create with J.P. Morgan Chase. Now, Antonova refused comment on Gates, a spokeswoman for Gates, telling the Wall Street Journal, quote, Mr. Gates met with Epstein solely for philanthropic purposes. Having failed repeatedly to draw Mr. Gates beyond these matters, Epstein tried unsuccessfully to leverage a past relationship to threaten Mr. Gates. Okay. So Gates, I mean, Gates is basically saying, uh, yeah, we had discussions about about this whole thing, this this charity thing. He wasn't a part of it. And he was trying to trying to convince him and saying, hey, we had done this in the past. Uh, Why? uh, But hold on. We got two of the richest people around. Why is Epstein paying for the Russian bridge player to go to a coding class (laughs) When, when her when her boyfriend is Bill Gates? I mean, I have zero answers on any of that. Like, we have the two. What, what kind of a coding class was this? <laughs> that 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 Bill Gates has got to have Epstein pay for the Russian bridge player's coding class. <laughs> Doesn't Bill Gates have thousands of expert coders under his purview? Probably. <laughs> what is going on? Also, That's is bridge bizarre. that big of a deal? Uh, I don't know. I don't hear nearly as many. When I was a kid, it felt like a lot more people played bridge now than they do. Or a lot of pe- more people played bridge then than they do yeah, now. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd story, um, but that's... The, so it's not... I mean, it sounds a little bit more salacious when you hear the names that are in, involved, but um, but yeah. You you can you can go read a little bit more about the uh about the whole thing. Wow. All right, moving on from that. Is honking your horn constitutionally protected speech? Have you ever thought of this? This sounds like an evil law school question is what test question to me. 
that I would have encountered. Wait, like you guys just showed up at 8 a.m. Yeah. And your professor walks in and says, hey, tell me this one. Yeah, well, or even worse is I've studied all of the case law, getting ready for my final in constitutional law, and all of a sudden there's a question about whether or not horn honking is considered, <laughs> and I've got to apply the test for first amendment. That's what this sounds like, but it actually came up oh, in man. federal court this week. A federal appeals court ruled Monday that honking your horn for any other reason than to warn motorists or pedestrians does not carry First Amendment protections. The controversy stems from a nearly century-old California law that only lets drivers lay on the horn as a warning system, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. That ban was challenged by a woman who was pulled over in 2017 after she honked her horn 14 times while driving by a demonstration outside Congressman Darrell Ice's office. The American Civil Liberties Union says the law risks censoring political speech, but the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled the law does not target free expression because it bans all honking, except as a safety warning. Sean Angel, Fox News. Is it a safety that warning actually, if, that, if that light's been green for a second? <laughs> that actually is. That actually is kind of interesting. So she was basically trying to disrupt the make the protest be annoying during the protest instead uh-huh. of using her voice, which people do, yeah. to make make uh, a situation annoying um, or to drown out voices. She used her horn. 14 times 14 times it's not even that now the crazy thing is for you know those of you who have ever been to certain parts of the country usually that are more urban than we've got here we we don't use our horns here i mean anything like what's your average horn usage oh per month twice a month maybe 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 once a month I would say one, one and a half, one, one and a half times on average. It's not a lot. And here's the other part of that is I would consider that I use more, more half honks than I do full honks where you're just like, you barely hit it because that light's been green and you can see through the window that like they're looking down Right. you're like, I just want to get their attention. Right. So you just do that little quick one. Yeah. There's... I can't remember the last time I like just laid on the horn on somebody. Yeah, I I don't know that I ever, but like New York City, everybody's doing that constantly. Yeah, that's all it is. Just nonstop. You're using it thirty times a day, mm-hmm. as opposed to one time a month when you're in those places, or at least some people are at that point. But I'd never really thought of horn honking as constitutionally protected speech. But I'm sure you could devise some evil law school question where it sort of fits right into the middle of whether or not it should count. I also think we should... This is basically it. I also think vehicles should come equipped with multiple different different horns for the... Right. Hey, just need to get your attention all the way through. Hey, buddy! (laughs) But like an intensity level, like a DEFCON level of horns? Like, Beep. like you cut me off and I've got some words that are happening in here. Right. Play a song, maybe. You know, some kind of a song that alludes to getting it rolling. You know, Tina and Ike rolling on the river. I don't know. This is right off the top of my head. We could probably do better than that. I, I would hope we can. <laughs> uh, okay. Hey, uh, so Venmo, this is interesting. Uh, a new uh, availability for Venmo. Now, when you know, my wife and I both use Venmo, I think a lot of people probably do. It, it's pretty convenient to be able to transfer money quickly to people. I used to use PayPal. I still use PayPal pal a lot, but Venmo has got some other benefits to it. But when my uh, we've been real sticklers 
with our kids and and my son when he uh was not yet 18 he was like can i get venmo because i've got you know i'm i'm actually doing i'm doing work for people like yard work for people and they want to pay me that way and we were like well the terms of service don't allow you to get it until you're 18 and he was like he was like dad everyone <laughs> everyone i know has it who's not 18 and they use it constantly for this thing so it was kind of a it because it if it, it made sense at the time like i thought it was he was using it and needed it for a responsible way cuz that's how yeah. people pay yeah. i think that's a lot of, how a lot of people pay for things and he couldn't get it anyway he turned 18 and it all worked out but venmo was looking at an option for teens because there's really a demand for this mm-hmm. stuff teenagers from age 13 to 17 are now eligible to open a venmo account with their parents permission that may come as a surprise since so many teens already use venmo right. set up in their parents accounts but that's a violation of Venmo's terms of service. So the official Venmo teen account also comes with a debit card. Parents will be able to lock and unlock it, move money to their teen's accounts, and maybe even more important, see who the teen is sending money to and receiving it from. The only fee is a $250 charge for using an out-of-network ATM. Sure to expand Venmo's universe of 90 million users. Therese Crowley, Fox News. I mean, it makes... It, it it makes some sense, yeah. I think. We used and, uh, we just used Venmo when we all went out and we got a VRBO in Cheyenne, and that's how my sister made the reservation. Let us know what all yep. portions we owed her. There's, um, I've still got just because it, it helps sometimes with some things that um, I don't I don't use this bank account back in my hometown, but I still have it open. So technically, I've got two bank accounts. That's how I transfer money back and forth. Is yeah. I just send it to Venmo and then I transfer it back over there. Like it's, it's got a lot of uses that I take advantage of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, other uh, stuff that we've got going on. Uh, let's. Uh, let, oh, this is the uh, Caleb. This is the the week where they're doing the big change. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. A big change on HBO Max, where HBO Max oh, is just changing Max to Max. So obviously the name changes. I still don't. Because it, it's it's adding the discovery, discovery stuff, stuff, but I still think they should have kept HBO in the name. I just I think that's too. a good. I think there's some a lot of goodwill with that branding, but nonetheless, they made that they made that decision. But the more interesting question is whether you've got it or whether you're thinking about getting it. How does the content change exactly? The rebrand of HBO Max as simply Max launches with more than twice the amount of programming. The new expanded menu includes the addition of hundreds of episodes of Discovery Plus shows. It'll feature 35,000 hours of programming. Do you have a first name? Gitchmo? Gizmo? Hi, Gizmo. I'm Sam. Among the original series that will be featured, Gremlins, Secrets of the Mogwai, Clone High, and the sorority documentary Bama Rush, plus What Am I Eating with Zoe Deschanel, Michelle Polino, Fox News. All right, I, I will say this, and okay, I know you scoffed. I know. Have you seen the trailer for Bama Rush? Yes, I did. It looks like absolute insanity. <laughs> And then they talk about like the secret society that's kind of running Alabama politics. I haven't. Uh, all, it, all in. Okay. All in on Bama all Rush. Right. Have you watched it? I haven't watched I, just I, the, the. I've only seen the okay. trailer. Well, you apparently have access to it with, I'm with go- Max. I'm going to watch it. I just. I'm waiting for baseball to finish out their season here in a few weeks. I would. 
I, I'm, at this point, I'm ready to trade out one of my existing streaming services for Max, but I'm not getting a new one. But I just don't know which one to get rid of and change. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I think probably my first choice would be Disney Plus, but that would be controversial in my household. Yeah, you're going to lose that fight. It, maybe it's Apple. Maybe it's, once Ted Lasso is done, maybe it's Apple. Well, here's but the thing. But I also want to, I got a couple others that I want to do on there too. Because Ted Lasso's coming out weekly. They're not going to be done with that season for what over another month. Oh really? A I'm, month and I'm a half. still five episodes behind too. So okay, yeah, yeah, I'm still way behind on that thing. I mean, what you could do is so, you could get rid of it and then just bring well, it. Actually, I know. Bring I'm, it back when you can watch all of them. No, you know, I should do it right now. I can get rid of BTN Plus now. Yes, yeah, you can. I'm not, I don't need to pay them. I don't need to pay them for nothing during the course of the summer. Because if you have the the Nebraska only plan, that's what ten ninety nine a month. Yeah, it's still too expensive. So for the, it's nice to have access to all to the games that you can't see of a variety of sports. <laughs> I like that, but so, depending on where you're at, Nebraska does a good job of it. Some of the other schools don't on the production value of them. They did the games. They didn't even have the focus on the camera correct at Purdue. Yeah, from that, from the, from their. You don't know what camera. you're going to get, you and that, and that was actually one of the things that you could find it at klin. dot com. My wish list for the new Big Ten commissioner, yeah. is to take BTN Plus seriously. Yes. when you have these schools putting on these god awful productions. All right, and then last but not least, uh, one of the country's remaining biggest rock man rock bands. Uh, replaces a lost member, and the Foo Fighters now have a uh, a new drummer. Ahead of their upcoming tour, Foo Fighters making it official, revealing their new drummer is Josh Freeze during a recent live-streamed event. This comes following the passing of Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins, who died in Columbia last year. During the live stream, Foo Fighters preparing music for concerts, a series of famous drummers make cameos during a humorous bit that features Chad Smith from Red Hot Chili Peppers, Motley Crue's Tommy Lee, and Danny Carey from Tool, coming in and out of what appears to be a rehearsal space. Cue Josh Freeze, who appears sitting at the drums, ready to play some music. Freeze is a veteran drummer who has performed with Guns N' Roses, Nine Inch Nails, and Weezer. Lauren Faulkner, Fox News. Is it weird to make a, a tongue-in-cheek video about replacing your band member in Taylor Hawkins, who, who died? Is I guess weird? I don't know. Here's the I guess it depends on their personal relationships. They they're going to know better than we are. Probably. Right? Yeah. I don't know, it just felt weird when they were just talking about it to me, but maybe and I haven't seen it either, so maybe it doesn't feel that way. All right, 656 we'll take a break. That is it for your uh sound off. Uh we got Joe Jordan coming up in just over 10 minutes, so stick around for that. You'll listen to LNK today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, greetings. Glad to have you back with us. 58 degrees in the capital city on a Tuesday morning, May 23rd, 2023. And Tuesday mornings we talk to... News Channel Nebraska's Joe Jordan reporting on Nebraska news and politics for uh, for many years and uh, always a great guest here on the show. Joe, good morning. How are we doing today? I was listening to your road construction report. Someone estimated, I don't think it was an estimate, there's actually a number, road construction projects currently in Omaha. I think it's like 75. Yeah, and that's high. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will. I don't know if it's high or low, but I'm telling you, getting from A to B is rough right now. Uh, same, same thing. I'm starting. Uh, you, uh, you sort of have your summer driving patterns where you know there are areas that you need to avoid throughout the course of the entire summer, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm I'm realizing where those are very slowly right now. Um, during the course of the last week, I'm like, okay, note to self: I'm not going back at this intersection until next fall, and so. All the regular routes that I drive, I've had to adjust, so I'm glad to hear that it's not the only place. There's always, you know, there's always that kind of tension, Joe. People complain about the roads not being very good, and then they <laughs> complain about the construction, and it feels like you got to do one or the other on that, right? Yeah, the only other point on this, I, I've noticed parking lots, you know, from private companies. Uh, I'm not going to name anybody, but the potholes in some of these parking lots are amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've seen it companies, too. I think companies just figured for some reason they're just not going to fix them right now. Yep. I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's manpower they can't get. They can't get the crews to come in. Maybe. Do it, but there are a variety of parking lots around here. You can't. You don't want to drive through. Maybe. Uh, so since we last talked, uh, the uh, the bill that combines uh, the new abortion ban, the earlier abortion ban, and uh, the restrictions on transgender treatments for minors. Uh, has has now passed. It kind of went, man, I mean, it kind of went like we talked about it going on Tuesday, which was uh, high drama, high controversy, a lot of things going on around the legislature itself with the protesters that were there as well. But the vote came down like we thought it would after the discussion that we had on Tuesday. My question for you, and it was signed yesterday uh, into law by Governor Jim Pillen. My understanding is that the abortion portion of it goes into effect immediately with an emergency clause. The rest of it waits until October. Um, Is there, I mean, obviously it doesn't take a genius to point out that these discussions aren't over you know, for for the future in in Nebraska, they're going to continue. I think from both sides here at this point. But what do you think? Like, sort of immediately, is anything else happening on this in the coming months? Once this session is over on either of these issues that are so important to so many people? Well, I think the first step is going to be the opponents of those of that legislation. They're going to court uh, on on a variety of uh, different issues. I think the most obvious one is the uh, single rule law in Nebraska. Uh, which basically says if you pass a law, it can only pertain to one specific issue. The opponents of the legislation argue that these were two bills, you know, melted into one, uh, one dealing with abortion, the other being 
other being with transgender health care, and they're going to make they're going to try to make the case that that violates the single rule proposal and therefore is uh, is unconstitutional. Uh, to me, that's that's probably the the next big step, and then you know then it'll be in the court system and we'll see where it goes. And then after either after that or depending on how long that court fight were to take, uh, I presume. Uh, because I think there was, it was kind of hinted at yesterday's news conference where, where the governor was at, not by him, but some other lawmakers, that uh, this was this is sort of the first step. So it wouldn't surprise me that next session, uh, the 12-week abortion ban, will there'll be a proposal to try to make it uh, six weeks. We talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure it gets any closer to six weeks next year, but the year after that, after we have another round of elections, maybe some new faces and uh, different constituencies. Uh, you could see it coming back certainly in, in two years as, as a six-week ban to uh, erase at that point the 12-week ban. And then I guess the other thing that in the interim between the two legislative sessions that could could be making news with this subject matter, uh, assuming that that it withstands judicial muster through October or is still in effect in October, uh, is you've got the chief medical officer now who does still have some authority in this bill. There was discussions about taking that part of it out, but that became a part of the bill that was signed into law is some decision-making power that falls to the chief medical officer on non-surgical treatments that are allowed for minors when it comes to um, gender-affirming care. I, I, I guess, Joe, that's the... I guess seeing what the decision and how that decision is made by the chief medical officer is probably the the other thing that directly affects policy in this sort of interim between two legislative sessions. You know, what might be interesting also in that regard, Jack, is throughout this entire debate, sort of a question hanging in the background has been how many of these cases are out there in Nebraska? How mm. many how many Good question. people under the age of 19 want to have that type of sex changing surgery how many are looking for these hormone therapies that's a great question and 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 it's maybe when the chief medical officer has to decide requests that are made we'll find out how many requests are coming in and actually be able to put a number on on some of this i don't know if that's going to happen or not but but to me it has been the unanswered question throughout this entire debate is I mean, I think Senator Carol Blood on the floor the other day, she said uh, she has basically five fingers on one hand, and, and, and that's that's the number or less of the number of cases that, that exist right now in Nebraska Jeez. of these individuals. So and no, nobody disputed that number when she said it. Nobody agreed with it, but nobody disputed it. Uh, and, and again, from day one in this debate, that to me has been the – question that no one has ever really answered is how many of these cases are out there uh is it you know is it is it, are we a one-off state or just a couple of people uh how many and maybe if it, if the chief uh, medical officer is going to be determining who gets uh these medicines and who doesn't uh i presume possibly through some public records requests or whatever we could find out not the names of who they are but numbers of requests that are going to the office for for those uh for those uh medical issues uh that to me would be Helpful in in the debate and understanding just how broad an issue this is in Nebraska. Yeah, that's a great. Uh, it, it's a great, and I've thought about it a little bit, but it hasn't really trickled down to the conversation. But if all of this time was was spent on an important issue, but one that might be important to 
whatever it is, a handful of a handful of miners, a handful of families, and, it, and it's less than that. On either side of this thing, it feels like, my goodness, I mean, how many other things are impacting swaths of families, um, even of, of miners and all of those sorts of things as well? So I think that's a really relevant, good, and interesting question to ask as well. Let's move on to voter ID. Uh, it looks like the vast majority, actually a bipartisan majority of state senators are supporting the version of the voter ID bill that was um, put out of the committee and had the assistance from the Secretary of State's office and the approval of the Secretary of State's office here. What did you make of the whole, the kind of the the scene yesterday where there was only one dissenting vote, it was Senator Slama, and there was widespread support from Democrats, Republicans. I mean, Democrats, didn't most for the most part, didn't want this thing to pass in the first place, but right. they are where they are right now, and the executive branch, at least as it pertains to the Secretary of State's office. I wasn't surprised that the committee plan, which, depending on who you talk to, is the Secretary of State's plan, uh, went through, and I think with more than 40 votes or 40 votes, and I'm not surprised because when you get a complicated piece of legislation in the legislature, and usually it's it's like a, it's usually the budget bill, uh, where you've had eight people in a committee. Sometimes it's only seven, but basically eight people in the committee have all said, in this case, we want to, we are recommending it. Let's pass it. The other 40 senators uh, haven't been in the weeds with this thing. So they're going to basically go with what the committee recommends. Uh, Senator Slama, uh, it's, it's sort of a one-person show on her part, arguing that the committee amendment, again, the quote-unquote Bob Evnen amendment in her view, uh, is not restrictive enough. And her main point, well, there's two main points, but one of her main points has to do, and I think people are going to, I think this is going to be a testing point down the road on early voting people who vote early the question is how do i know that the person who voted early because if i go to the if i if, if i go to the polling place they, they eyeball me i've yes. got my id i show it to them they can say that's me okay if i'm voting early whether i mail it in or stick it in the drop box what's the guarantee that that's me right. that's going to be a sticking point that's going to come up and senator slama in her her legislation she wanted to have that vote and i'm not quite the the, the Dotting in the I's and crossing the T's gets a little cloudy, but she wanted to have that vote notarized. Right. At uh, least have a li- at least have a live witness that yeah. there that is attesting to the person with a photo ID that the person who is sending the ballot is the person on the ID and they've got the ID. Yes. Now the plan that comes out of the uh, government committee basically does the ID verification at the time you request the ballot. Right. Uh, so that when you go to, when you go to vote, uh, your voter ID information will be, be used at that point as you request the ballot. Then the voter will provide the ID number of your driver's license or your state ID card that's been issued by the state of Nebraska or some piece of photographic information. But the real key there is it's, it's when you request the ballot is when your voter ID is verified that you're the you're the person. Okay, here's your ballot. I know who you are. Now, the argument from opponents is what? How do? What's the guarantee that that ballot was was handled by that person? Right, because you're just given a hand a, a number, yeah, right? Yeah, right. And that Senator Islam is one of her major contentions in this is that that's not enough. She maintains, oh, there's 
35, there's 35 states, I think it is right now, the number that have voter ID. About a 12 of those states, 12 of those states have some type of, and it might be a notarization, but a, but a further restriction uh, on early voting. Now, it came up on the floor yesterday, someone was con- worried about having to pay for that notary. She has told me in the past that states like Missouri, and there was another, but Missouri certainly, uh, the state absorbs that cost. And it's, you know, I think it's like 5 or $10, but the state would absorb the cost of the notary. But I do think that's going to be a sticking point going forward. And, and, and she has indicated the possibility of a lawsuit uh, this, if this legislation passes. Um, uh, so it wouldn't surprise me that the mail, mail in the early vote is a point of contention going forward. Well, yeah, I'm to the, the point of the lawsuit, it'll be interesting to see if there's somebody who's, a, you know, a, an allegedly aggrieved citizen who voted for the voted for the ballot initiative says, hey, the legislature did not do it. It did not basically effectuate what we voted into the Constitution in the ballot. And that that I I assume that's kind of what she's thinking when she's talking about the potential of a lawsuit, something like that. Yeah, I think Uh, I think that's I think that's right. And the point being that 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 in this session of the legislature, the two two of the maybe the two main uh, issues the, the the abortion transgender issue and and voter ID, there's right. a good chance, End up in the probably courts. probably a hundred percent chance that they're going to wind up in court uh, before they're all I mean, done. I mean, it's kind of how it goes with everything policy wise at every <laughs> level of government, right? I mean. You know, what's uh, Biden's student loan decision pending in court? You had Obamacare decisions. You've got immigration yeah. policy decisions that are that are pending in court. I mean, you've got you've got tons of these. And that's so often how it ends up ends up happening. Um, one other question on that, too. It, it has been interesting, sort of the the um, I don't know what the right word, but is kind of the the aggressiveness in critique from Senator Slama to the Secretary of State's office here, um, you know, Senator Slama has been a, a was a was a supporter, obviously, of of Jim Pillen for governor, and obviously there was a lot that that went into that situation. I don't have to dredge it all up to go back to the GOP primary, but sort of aggressively critiquing the executive branch under Jim Pillen with this whole thing. And I wonder, are you surprised that she was that, you know, that willing to go specifically at the secretary of state's office on a few of these things? Um, I'm not surprised she's going after the secretary of state on this in part, because she has maintained for quite some time that in her view, uh, and she has an example, which, uh, which an investigation by Newstown Nebraska has said is not the case, but in her view, there was a that vote fraud exists in Nebraska is the bottom line. She's convinced vote fraud exists in Nebraska, uh, and the Secretary of State has said vote fraud is r- rare, if ever, seen in this state over the last several years. The previous Secretary of State, John Gale, said the same thing. And you know what? Uh, you know, I know you remember this when when Evan ran in his Republican primary in 2022, mm-hmm. he had two opponents. They were both, quote-unquote, election deniers. He got 44% of the vote and won the primary. His two opponents got a majority of the vote. So Republicans in the primary cast more ballots in the Secretary of State's race for people who opposed the elections, the deniers, the, the doubters, as opposed to someone, Bob Evden, who was maintaining that the elections were on the up and up. 
So you've got a significant number of people in the state uh, by that by that measurement that are saying that they question the validity of elections, even here in Nebraska. Uh, and so uh, there there's a significant number of people uh, out there that they're uh, certainly on the Republican primary voters. Who, who question the validity of the election, and so it doesn't surprise me that there's a, there's there's some pushback on uh, on Bob Ebden when he says elections here are, are, are fair, uh, fraud is rare if ever, and um, uh, Senator Salama says that's yeah. fraud does occur here, and that's where we are. I think we've crossed the, uh, the uh, editorializing here. I think we've crossed the line where um, there's always going to be opportunity for somebody who lost to say they didn't really lose <laughs> things. <laughs> Uh, but no matter what, no matter what's in place. All right. La- last thing real quick. I, I did want to ask you, I just thought of this as we were talking, uh, that it does sound like, uh, there's going to be another ballot initiative for medical marijuana. Um, I, I guess my, my question to you is, I don't know if they're going to start it earlier, if they've got more funding. Is there any reason just at the very outset, the early days of hearing about this, Joe, where it, there's a reason where you say, oh yeah, they're likely to get to the signature threshold this time when they weren't able to last time. Um, just kind of curious what your initial reaction to that story is. Well, the, er- the earlier you start, uh, the better chance you've got of getting the number Obviously, of signatures yeah. that you need. Uh, I still wonder if there's going to be uh, a, a, a sidebar ballot, so to speak, request, uh, initiative request for legalization of marijuana across the board. Mm. Medical, yes, but recreational as well. And uh, it to me, I think that is, is 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 probably the next question in this. If if we're going to see a ballot issue for recreational marijuana along with the medical mm-hmm. marijuana question, because the right. medical marijuana say they're basically going to do the exact same thing they did last time with two right. ballot questions. So right, yeah. So I mean, to me, that would that would be an that would be an interesting. I I would love to see that on the ballot just to see where it would come out in Nebraska. It would be for that's the one thing. We've talked about this ballot initiative so many times, and we have no idea how it's you know. There's right. all kinds of theories on how it turned out, but we've never got to test it. And so I am right. kind of curious too on the same same thing as you on that. All right, Joe. Hey, I really appreciate it. Great conversation today. We will uh, check in next Tuesday. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Jack. Take care. There you go, Joe Jordan, uh, News Channel Nebraska seven twenty seven Sports next KLIN. Living in Nebraska means severe weather is always in season. Your severe weather action team is based on 1499.3 KLIN. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. All right, let's get started today with... Number five. 30-year veteran of higher education, former president of the University of Southern Mississippi, Mississippi, has been named priority candidate. 
for the chancellor position at UNL, Rodney Bennett, if approved by the Board of Regents, would be the first person of color in that role. Uh, also would be the first person hired outside of existing university employment, University of Nebraska employment, for, for quite some time as well. And so, Mark, it's my understanding that this is essentially pursuant to the procedures that are in place in state law. Is that these a priority candidate, meaning he hasn't been hired, but you essentially go through this 30-day approval meeting public forum process then, and after that, it's got the opportunity to become, or he's got the opportunity to get confirmed in this spot. Is that correct? That's a, that's my understanding of the process. Yeah, the, the president of the system, uh, Ted Carter, uh, puts up forth a priority candidate from the national search firm and, and the, uh, the other criteria that they've been going through. This is the preferred candidate at this point. Then they are vetted by uh, in public meetings, and I would imagine with uh, students and faculty as well. So, and with regents, and then if everything goes according to uh, what they expect, he'll be uh, presented to the regents at on their June twenty second meeting for approval. Now, the the one thing that, that probably Southern Miss and under his watch has the most national notoriety for, and I'm not saying that. They haven't done lots of lots of good things. You just don't get national notoriety unless and as much when they're uh, when things are not controversial. Um, there was this deal with Brett Favre while Bennett was the chancellor there, um, and essentially university officials, Brett Favre, Mississippi Department of Human Services, and a nonprofit. They had a deal to create, uh, use five million bucks in temporary assistance for families to build a volleyball facility on Southern Miss campus. You've had eight people indicted, six people pled guilty for their involvement on this, um, and it looked like, uh, according, uh, Journal Star did a good piece on this and getting a little bit more background on that. Bennett had raised raised concerns about that project with Mississippi governors. Um, and so there was a quote from him uh, or a text that came out from him and a quote that said, I've asked Brett not to do to not do the things he's doing, to seek funding from state agencies and the legislature for the volleyball facility. I will see for the umpteenth time if we can get him to stand down. The bottom line is he's personally guaranteed the project and on his word and handshake, we proceeded. It's time for him to pay up. It really is just that simple so probably some questions about that because that's kind of the most high profile thing that came out of that but uh out of out of that time um you know tennessee guy originally though knoxville uh spent time at middle tennessee state and tennessee state university as well um and um he, some, he was at the university of georgia for a while he and hank bounds yes who was previous uh, system president had a relationship. As a matter of fact, they uh, he installed him, I believe, wasn't he? Or yeah. involved in Mississippi? Yes, that's yep, that's that's correct. Um, and that was the first thing I thought of when I heard Mississippi. I remember hearing that Mississippi from Hank Bounds, and just kind of, you know, what just wasn't the state I expected Nebraska to have a connection to, and they and they did there. But yeah, that was when he was uh, he was in Athens, Georgia, from 2004 to 2013. And then Hank Bounce was the commissioner of the Mississippi Institutions of Higher Learning, um, and that's when he ended up at Southern Miss. So he was at Southern Miss for basically a decade, almost a decade, Mark, in that position yep. there. So that is the information we got on that. Uh, we're going to have Jason Ball on the show here coming up at 810, and I believe he was on one of the local committees. Oh, cool. Uh, that was a part of yeah, this the process. The chamber so. put out quite a news release about it yesterday. Yeah. So. so we'll maybe get a little bit more insight from him on that. Number three. 
State Senator Julie Slama tried to persuade uh, her fellow senators to consider her voter ID proposal. Uh, the Nebraska Examiner, Aaron Sandiford, described it as a one-woman filibuster uh, against uh, Amendment 1801. Uh, but after eight hours of debate, she lost 43 to 1. <laughs> and uh, the committee's recommendations on voter ID uh, proceed to the second round. So what? Why is... Uh... Why is she standing alone on this thing exactly? That's what I kind of wonder. And and uh, you you mentioned earlier that even the county election officials are unanimously okay with this, except for one who happens to be Slama's sister. In, right in Sarpy uh, County. Uh, in Sarpy County, and the the governor, the executive branch, it's their it's essentially their language in the bill, and so the Pillen administration presumably is good with it. You've got. Democrats and Republicans on on this whole thing that are okay with it. You don't have a lot of Republicans who are saying this doesn't. You don't have any other Republicans who are saying this doesn't go far enough with this thing. Her, her so. point is, she was the the lead person on the voter and uh, ID, photo ID uh, initiative. She right. was the, the lead yep. person, and, yep. and she's very uh, firm that she believes you should present a photo ID, not just a test to the fact that you have a voter a photo ID, and. This is more or less an attestation rather than presenting it to an official I, or having it yeah, uh, I agree. witnessed. I, I mean, the, the rule basically is under this bill, if it would pass, is that you write down your, when you're applying for an early vote ballot, you would write down your ID number, send it in. If it matches up, if the names match up, you get the ballot. Right? Right. And then you just vote as normal with no other ID requirement at that point. And I get that that's what she's challenging. What I'm surprised about, Mark, is that there aren't more People from her side of the aisle who are with her on this. I am too, especially when you consider how overwhelmingly that initiative passed. Right. It passed, I believe, in but, all 93 counties. But, I, you know, the Secretary of State's office and Senator Brewer, I think, have, have said, look, we think we need to make it like this to be able to p- pass legal muster on this thing. Well, on the other side, she's saying, wait, I think you're going to get sued on this. Yep. I assume she is referring to from... From a Nebraska citizen who's saying that the voters' will was not basically carried out as it should have been through the legislative process on this whole thing. So they're both saying, we're doing these things so we win in court. Both sides of this are saying you've got to do the opposite thing to win in court. Different lawsuits, essentially. But... Uh, that's that's part of the. I mean, there there are some people who think we should just go back to voting in person only, and and it has it has everything to do with the early voting and and voting by mail. In my opinion, I agree that there are people who think that that didn't show up on the voting no. of this thing though. That's what I don't understand. That's that's what I that's the question I'm asking. I wonder how much of it has to do with the sort of the the Secretary of State's office, the executive branch being in the position in this whole thing that they have. Yeah, that's that's a curious one. Of course, uh, Bob Evnen, uh, they did the big audit after last fall, and he said that there was no fraud. They had like 17 one-thousandths of, of, of a ballot or numbers. I don't know. It was infinitesimally small. Uh, that that could have been called into question. So they're they're basically saying that there really is no need for it in the first place, but voters said there was. So now we get that. This is where the sausage is made. Yep. Well, my prediction I gave to Joe, I still believe, is that there's always going to be a group of people who lose elections going forward that say they didn't lose them, no matter what. I don't. I mean, even if they have a, everyone has to go 
you know, we put everybody in the entire voting pool in one room and we all do A's or nays and we record them on the wall like they are at the legislature. There's still going to be somebody who's saying that the yep. the light malfunctioned or something like that here yep. at this point. Uh, all right. Next. Wait, did I do the wrong one? What are we on? Three? Number three. Sometimes I lose track when we talk about something for a long time. <laughs> LB 574 signed into law yesterday by Governor Pillen. Let them grow at, along with the amendment that in, uh, included the 12-week ban uh, gestational age on abortions. Bill was signed. No surprise. They had a they had a ceremony there with uh, legislators who were supportive of the bill, along with some of uh, Governor Pillen's family, uh, a grandchild that was a baby, several five support- days old. Several supporting organizations. Um, supporting organizations. You know, no, so what else is there to say at this point, Mark? I mean, if the gender. We've done our best of trying to just at least explain what is happening, what's likely to happen going forward, what it all means. Um, and for the time being, that's, I mean, same thing as before. Now, as, as Joe said, uh, when when is the suit filed? Essentially, on this, I'm surprised there hasn't been something filed already. Yeah, well, we'll probably hear about something. I would guess soon. Gender the- gender affirming portion uh, takes effect October 1st. The uh, abortion ban was uh, had an emergency clause attached to it, so it took effect immediately. It'll be interesting. The, the other kind of shoot a fall during the interim between this session and next session, and these things will be discussed again next session, whether it's trying to move 12 to 6 or whether it's trying to repeal portions of this. They'll probably both be bills on both of those things. But the one thing that is going to happen in the interim is the chief medical officer has got to make these recommendations that have been allocated to the powers of the chief medical officer on some of the non-surgical care and what happens with that will be interesting and and then joe raised the other question which frankly i I wish i had asked earlier in this whole thing it's like how many minors are we talking about in the state of nebraska currently or historically that are dealing with this issue or are request are getting these services now and i don't know the answer i mean i i really don't but it's it's a lot like the question on medical marijuana how many how many people uh, that don't have access to medical marijuana are really affected? We know we know Krista Eggers has a, a son that is affected because she's open openly uh, talked about that. But these are these are things that I don't I don't know whether anybody knows how many there are. Yeah, I think I mean I think that would be. It, it just feels like sometimes when these things just kind of dominate dominate and especially on this transgender one that it just dominates discussion this isn't really going pro one side or the other on this thing it's just like geez do we i mean are we i understand it's important to the people who are affected by it but my goodness (laughs) is aren't there aren't there issues aren't there issues on either side of this thing that are impacting so 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 many more Many more people that are also incredibly important issues as well, but nonetheless. Number two. A lot of sports news late in May on uh, Sports Nightly last night. Uh, AD Trev Alberts there talked about a lot of things. Uh, volleyball day in Nebraska, all kinds of things. Yeah, so on the volleyball day in Nebraska, they are going to be pursuing that t- that number one record for a women's sporting event in the United States, and it was it's just over ninety thousand, which was the Rose Bowl, the nineteen ninety nine Women's World Cup final, um, U.S. wins, uh, Chastain, all that stuff. Now Nebraska 
as Trev Alberts told Greg Sharp last night, they've worked with the fire marshal, they've moved around some standing room only, and I think they're going to be able to get capacity set at 91,000. And that would be where compared to the the existing that, that, that the would existing be that total. would be number one all time U.S. Okay. and it would be just yeah. shy of the world record. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't know how much of a cushion they had in front of the U.S. record. That was what I was. It'd be like five hundred, six hundred. Is, is a that record. what it is? Okay, yeah. so we're, hey, okay. If it's one, and they yeah. make it. That's I know. Right, I thought so. I just didn't know how close they were going to be cutting it to get. Okay, so the, to get the current that. U.S. record it's ninety thousand one eighty five. So about. So, 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 yeah, so if you get to 91, you've got, you got to have about 800 cushion. Uh, but they are still having the concert. There was some question about whether yep. or not they would consider maybe not having that to expand seating area, but it does sound like he's still going to make an announcement still about Still planning concert. on that, looking about Which, it. June 5th is what they're trying to have the announcement by June 5th. So, so that's, that's here in a couple weeks. There have been some pretty prevalent rumors that I'm not going to say on the air because I don't know for sure if they're true, but there have been some pretty prevalent rumors about who it is, I wonder why they need to wait. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're trying to juice it up. I don't know. because Or maybe or or maybe the rumors are wrong. I, I don't know. If hey, maybe that's it. Hey, maybe they're, that's, they're, that's why I'm not going to say them. But. There's always that portion of it, too. Trev also talking last night, talked about Nebraska's willingness to play late November night games. And there are a few of his brethren in the Big Ten that it's been reported that they don't want to. Trev Albert said, absolutely, Nebraska wants to. Um, not just because of it being within the TV deal, but because of the exposure that Nebraska, that the league gets for one, but that Nebraska gets by being in a primetime television slot on national national TV. I mean, it's one thing if you're just sort of making your own conference plan and, and it's, it's just sort of, hey, when do we give BTN the slots for these games or when do we make our own conference policy on this? It's another if you've got a deal giving you gobs and gobs of life-changing conference (laughs) money in exchange for providing content up and down college football weekends. Yes. And, uh, And especially during this time, after the deal's already been announced, after the negotiations are complete, after presumably there was some sort of process by which the universities individually approved or brought up concerns with this whole thing i mean come on well don't you think it's also a smack up against uh the streaming uh subscriptions for nfl thursday night i mean this is going to be on nbc right yeah this uh this is saturday night that they're mainly talking about with these games oh okay so yeah that's but there will be a there will be a few times this year black friday is one of them where the NFL and college football will go head-to-head when they haven't in the past, and that'll be interesting, too. And then uh, the other thing... Is, yeah, uh, one last thing really quick. Nebraska has announced that uh, they'll go on sale this morning at 10 a.m. The Through These Gates mini plan. It's a Husker football package there uh, for the 100th anniversary of Memorial Stadium. $100 for the three-game mini plan. It'll get you into both home non-conference games. That's Northern Illinois, September 16th, Louisiana Tech... Louisiana Tech, September 23rd, and one of the Big Ten home games while supplies last on those. So $100, 33 bucks a game, essentially. When we're talking about there not being sellouts and there being issues and demand being down, I've said it over and over again. Two words, lower prices. Mm -hmm. Lower prices, and this is a step toward that direction, so I applaud that. Makes it phenomenally affordable. Uh, Moving on. Number one. Journal Star's Matt Olberding reporting this morning right down the street from us here at 48th and O. CVS closing that location June 15th. Wow. 
Interesting. Pretty, pretty busy intersection. Yeah, it is. And it was one of the first places where we were like, uh, when they came in, they're like, "There's you guys know there's already a Walgreens right next door, right? <laughs> right across the street. And then that happened in a couple other locations in the city, and it was sort of a, a strategy there. This has to do, though, with, I, I believe, national closing. Yeah, of CBS. CBS announced, I think, like 900 stores would be closing this year. So Wow. All right. There you go. There, there's the scripts on uh, prescriptions of that one are being transferred to 70th and O. Okay, yeah, but if somebody has wants to go to a different one, they can let them know. That's that a good thing all, for people to know. Everybody that got had prescriptions there got a letter from CBS on this. Okay, so. yeah, that's important. All right, seven fifty-five. We'll take a break. That's it for your morning drive. Brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. You listen to Lincoln's News and Talk fourteen hundred ninety-nine three KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, coming up during the 8 o'clock hour, we'll get in, uh, into a couple of different perspectives on the announcement yesterday that uh, Rodney Bennett has named the priority candidate to become the 21st Chancellor of the University of Nebraska, first from Jason Ball, who's part of, uh, part of some of the selection process, and then also John Baylor as well. So we'll get into that coming up next hour. It's 8 o'clock, KLI and Lincoln. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on The Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back on your Tuesday morning, 61 degrees, sunny skies in the capital city. Glad to have you back with us. Among the headlines this morning, University of Nebraska-Lincoln announces a priority candidate for the next chancellor of the University of Nebraska, Dr. Rodney Bennett, out of Southern Miss University. President there now goes through a 30-day process of meetings and discussions and uh, a process that is in state law before he can be officially hired. And so we'll... uh, We'll wait for that in the coming days. But uh, our next guest, Jason Ball, Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, uh, has an interesting perspective on this because he was on the Search Advisory Committee, one of 17 people on that for the for the hiring process. And first of all, good morning, Jason. How are you doing today? I am fantastic, Jeff. Good. Thanks. Uh, great timing here for you to be in here with, with this announcement. And just for people maybe to get a little bit of an insight into this where they, you know, they may not be super familiar with how this process works, why don't you... Tell us about this advisory committee that you were on and what the advisory committee was tasked with and then kind of how it went. Yeah, so it was it was a great process. I want to say from the get-go, I was uh, proud to serve on it and, and really give credit to President Carter for um, 
you know, making sure that the diverse group of people that he brought together included uh, voices from business and industry and agriculture across the state, as well as uh, academic disciplines that, that would make sense. And so it was a, it was a group of about 17 people. It was led by Dean uh, Tiffany Hagen Moss. And uh, I was honored to be uh, selected to, uh, you know, be one of the voices of business and industry to, to help make this selection because it's a, um, you know, President Carter, when he kicked it off, said, look, this is a 50-year decision that the university is making in this process. Mm -hmm. And so um, just a, a neat learning process to see the the type of people who craft, who craft their careers in such a way uh, that they get considered for positions yeah. like these. Um, it's amazing. It, it is really amazing. The talent pool, uh, the caliber of people that you get, uh, uh, you know, expressing interest in this. And, and, uh, again, it was just an honor to be a participant. So when that. you're, when you're doing your research for the kind of work that you're doing on this, are you getting to actually, are, are you yourself getting to talk to the candidates? Are you doing research on their resumes? Are you hearing things that they've said? What is the kind of the information that you've got from these different candidates through the so, process? So, you know, we we worked, uh, uh, with the search firm that, that advised us on the process and, and they provide Provided a lot of information for us to use, and so it was a. It, it was a, a. I had a lot of reading to do. Jake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you learned you learned about yeah. a bunch of these candidates, and I'm sure very qualified. Like I, I'd almost think it's probably hard to really discern. I mean, you you've got a bunch of great resumes. How do you discern? How do you say, ah, this person stands out, this person doesn't stand out? When you just when you're looking at it and thinking about this, because that sounds hard. You you bet. So, I, and I'd say that's why it's it's good to have such a good, robust team of people that mm -hmm. served on that committee, um, and and a good leader and President Carter to you know pull that group together. Um, you know, I would say we really leaned on each other. Obviously, I am not a expert in say uh, um, engineering research right. or physics research, right? Um, and so you know, we we had to lean on people that do understand those those areas of, of discipline and uh, uh, have that insight and at the same time uh, you know I was very uh, pleased uh, when issues of economic development or economic growth community engagement uh, would come up uh, there there were uh, opportunities where uh, folks that are working with the, these folks and that that kind of capacity uh, would have an opportunity well, to and speak that, up. yeah that kind of gets to my next question is what would you like to see from a chancellor from your chamber perspective on this with those issues that you meant what kind of were you looking for and thinking about as you went through this process given your specific perspective on this yeah you bet so you know the things that i was in there listening for is you know our our candidates uh you know familiar with with economic development have they have they worked uh with um their communities to help them grow and again uh, uh widely by and large they have i mean that's that's a big part of 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 what modern use universities are and mm -hmm. and so it was it was very interesting to to hear that dialogue i'm i'm very excited about um you know how the how the process has come to conclusion very uh very proud that president carter was um you know pleased with the candidate pool that was advanced to him for for his uh completion of the the selection process and, mm -hmm. um it's honor honor to get to meet dr bennett uh during that process uh and and so uh very excited for him to go through the the next 30-day process right. that they've got to go through and my role in this is kind of kind of done for now and and then we'll get back to uh you know once once everything is finalized up i'm sure there's going to be some interactions with the business community that and, we'll be proud to do and i don't know what you can and can't say but can you can you give us your impressions any thoughts on dr bennett since you uh, i guess had a chance to to meet with him and learn about him throughout this whole process uh yeah uh so again he, he interviewed very strong um i uh, i think the all the reasons that he's been um 
you know it, that it's been shared that he's been impressing people uh, that that were in the paper today. But, you know, it, same type of feeling that that I walked away after a short interaction with him. And so, um, you know, uh, again, very proud to have advised on that process, and very very thrilled uh, to get to be at at this stage where we're. Mm-hmm. As a university now, we're able to, to look forward into the next steps of the process and then get, and then get back to work. Um, you know, Jack, I think that the thing that I'll share with you that, that I learned the most about is just the, the pressures that are acting on, uh, university and major research institutions, uh, right now. Um, you know, obviously for UNL, enrollment is huge. That's a trend across the nation, uh, that we're trying to help navigate. Um, you know, Dr. Bennett really was impressive in terms of, uh, helping, uh, grow, um, University of Southern Miss from a, a research two institution to a research one institution. That's a big deal. And research dollars are still a very important part of what goes on at the University of Nebraska Lincoln. And as the flagship campus, we want to lead in those areas of, of research. So, you know, he's coming into a situation here. Uh, if, if it's finalized that, you know, is not without its challenges, uh, just like, uh, Lincoln and, and the whole state of Nebraska has its own unique sets mm-hmm. of challenges. But we, um, you know, if we put together the right teams of, of good people, we're going to make traction on those. And I'm, I'm very excited to work with, with him. Let's talk a little bit about the legislative session, uh, and some of the, the chamber and Lincoln related issues that are on there. And, and one that we've continued to say, Hey, still might and, uh, might come up here during this session has to do with water sources for the city of Lincoln that's obviously on on your agenda on the city's agenda here what are we uh what are we hearing about the status of that is it going to get in front of the legislature and what do we kind of know about the issues that are going to be attendant to that discussion so I, here's where I want to give great credit to uh Senator Bostar uh for for being being a leading voice in the body um, to talk about, uh, you know, how we go about funding a second water source and as well as give credit to the, the city and the mayor specifically for, um, you know, putting together the water 2.0 task force to come up with those recommendations. But it is within the budget right now. Okay. As I understand. And that's through the, the so, one, the, yeah. the 100, it's just shy of $180 million mm-hmm. to, to, uh, start that. But there's, there's another, there's another bill that's going to get, uh, uh, brought up related to that on the floor today. I think that's, uh, you know, expected to be, uh, something that's going to garner support. Um, you know, we're just, we're proud to work with, uh, you know, again, Senator Bostar. Senator Wishart, uh, was another big, uh, partner in this session. Um, both of them really, uh, carried a lot of water on our community. No uh, pun intended. <laughs> buzzing. Uh, on our community consensus agenda, you know, then included things like housing, things like the convention center. And so, um, they've been great partners this year and we're just, uh, um, works. I think like everybody, we're every, it's time for the session to be over and let's take a break and just a breather and, uh, yeah. kind of start thinking about the future again. You know? Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, but, but through the budget, and that's obviously going to have a big impact on, uh, the next water source for, for Lincoln. So good news for the city out of this session there. And then I want to get to, uh, a cool, a cool announcement last week that I don't know if people heard about or not. Uh, but the Speedway Motor Museum, uh, Speedway Motors Museum of American Speed is something that I've just, uh, I, I know people rave about here in Lincoln and how cool it is and people especially who are in tune with motorsports and, and those sorts of things. But if you missed it, there was a big announcement last week that there's a merger uh, on the way that is going to even 
improve and expand what is existing with the Speedway Motors Museum. What can you tell us about this? Yeah, so this is a huge deal, and I, and I think I want to want to highlight that uh, Speedway Motors just earlier this year, I think even just last month, very recently was was named the number one best attraction for car lovers by USA yeah, Today. Right? I know, right? So it's it's a major major deal that the the Speedway. Motors Museum of American Speed uh, basically uh, merged or purchased the assets that come with the Unser Museum, and so uh, I'm I'm old enough to remember Al Unser Jr. Yep. Right? Me too. Uh, yep. uh, Al Unser Sr. won the Indianapolis uh, 500 four times. His brother Bobby won it three times. So the Unser family very very engaged in 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 speed racing, and. Um, uh, so they, the Speedway Museum has been able to purchase the Unser collection and they are going to bring it here to Lincoln out of Albuquerque. Okay. And so uh, for anyone that's out there listening that has not been to the Museum of American Speed, please make a point of it. Take an afternoon, take a weekend this, this, uh, this weekend and go see it. Um, I can remember. At the Indy 500, I went to a conference in Indianapolis. Yeah. I took us to the Indy 500. I was so excited to see it, and, and they had the reception in, in a museum there. And it's 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 a nice museum, but it's small. <laughs> if, you, if you go in, if you go into the Museum of American Speed, and it's a tribute to the Smith family who have spent uh, you know multiple generations now working in in this this area. Um, it's got artifacts. And rooms and rooms and rooms of of um, things on display, artifacts on display from from racing, and it's not just cars; it's lunchboxes and, and little racing cars and things. Um, and so it's it's a gem in and of all by itself. It just went through an expansion, and and they've still got more uh, memorabilia that they cannot. It's in storage; they cannot display right. it all. And so this is just part of the growth of of this really really unique unique uh lincoln asset and and the smith family has just been so great uh in terms of what they've done for the community yeah. and preserving all i mean this. i don't you, you i remember talking about the usa today thing and you hear just sort of word of mouth just great things and to hear that there's been significant expansion just recently and now more expansion coming in 2024 it turns into a you know it already was but it turns into even more of a you know making lincoln a destination yeah. for this kind of a thing and, and it, the the point i always like to make with this too is this is this is a great example of why business and industry matter because you know speedway was built on uh you know uh manufacturing and providing and then doing mail order you know car parts for mm-hmm. car enthusiasts and, and and race car enthusiasts and and you know it was through the growth of that business that they also began to just have these collections uh, accumulate and so the the museum just didn't and it didn't come out of a committee they didn't say you know what lincoln needs we need to be really put ourselves on the map with a, a speed racing museum it, it came out of a business that really uh, achieved some dominance and success in that industry that also yeah, that's true. ended up collecting artifacts and then now they are on display for uh, the benefit of the community we just hosted a Nebraska Economic Developers Association um, reception for that group um, at the Speedway Museum, which mm-hmm. is a real special yeah. thing to do. And they, they do, do a stuff ton like that of events, nonprofit fundraisers that they'll allow people to, to get tours and those sorts of things, too. So a uh, real asset for the capital city. Then uh, last but not least, uh, Andrew, and we, we understand we had a bunch of your ilk ec- economic developers. <laughs> Uh, yeah. what, what happens if you put uh, 100 economic developers in a room, exactly? Uh, that was uh, last week, right, with the uh, NEDA conference? 
Yeah, so so the Nebraska Economic Development Association is celebrating its 50th year. Uh, this is a group that I was part of when I was doing my first term in Lincoln and very mm-hmm. active in, and I am a member of it now. And, um, you know, it, it this event hasn't been in Lincoln for, gosh, over a solid decade now. It moves around throughout the state every year. And for the 50th anniversary, we, we really wanted to bring it back into Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you had about 300 economic... By the way, hold on, I can't yeah. imagine all the economic development Developers arguing about whose city gets the economic <laughs> impact of the conference every year, but nonetheless, yes, <laughs> that's got to be the hardest place to try and win the uh, win the location. Oh, J- Jack, that's a tough committee hearing every year. I'll tell you. <laughs> Um, no, but, uh, uh, you know, that, that group is, it, there's a reason why that moves around, Jack. And that's, yeah. and that's why. And it's, it's fun because we do get to trade ideas that are working in other parts of the state. And so it was announced at the conference, uh, I think next year we're going to Norfolk. Okay. Uh, and Norfolk's a community that's been doing some really innovative things, uh, working on things together. So, um, but yeah, uh, we had a, we had an amazing, uh, uh, you know, set of, uh, set of sessions there. They got to tour. Uh, Kawasaki and Memorial Stadium. They did panel, panel discussions and those types of things. Uh, but really it is, Jack, the, the relationship building across yeah. the state. And so we got an update from the state chamber on some of the legislative issues that are going on. And, and believe me, there are a lot of legislative items that have been seeing some progress in this session. Tax cuts probably being number one. Um, and so uh, it's, it was a great time for the, for the group to, to be here in, in a, in a, feather in lincoln's cap to be able to host it again very cool all right hey that's a lot we got through today but it's been very busy thank you for your uh, insight on those things and uh we'll talk again in a couple of weeks all right sounds good thanks sir jason ball lincoln chamber of commerce we got 66 degrees warming up out there sunny skies in the capital city grab a break caleb's got the latest in sports including some interesting comments from trev alberts last night that's coming up next on klin severe weather interruptions check closings and cancellations anytime at KLIN.com everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah, you get it Every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Waking babies in the North Bottoms, and then helping them ace the ACT since the 90s. It's the voice of Nebraska Volleyball, John Baylor. Hi, welcome back. LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Glad to have you with us again on this Tuesday morning, May 23rd, 2020, uh, excuse me, 2023. I guess I had that right. 52323. Joining us right now. John Baylor, friend of the show, voice of Nebraska volleyball, uh, expert in many things. Good morning, JB. Welcome to the Jack Attack. What's new? Jack Attack. Happy Tuesday. Still trying to recover from the thrilling Stillwater softball regional. What uh, a final run. Softball. Few athletic events match the drama and tension inherent to a uh, 
postseason NCAA tournament college softball game. Three one run games. Whew. Yeah. Yep. I was uh I was too I saw the walk off on Friday night or excuse me, Saturday night, and then I was tuned in thinking uh they looked good on Saturday, Ronda Ravel's crew and sending it to a second game and then you know, the bats just got going for Oklahoma State, so that was a bummer to see that season end. But I do like I I do like uh this time of year. I like uh, NCAA softball, NCAA baseball. Those are under yep. they're they're under especially when you don't necessarily have a dog in the hunt and they kind of whip around to different games, kind of like that too, especially with the baseball side That's of things. So. Oklahoma State. I remember when I was calling the Huskers Oklahoma State Alley P Reynolds Stadium, they had the fences yep. in and the big bats. There was no legislation at that point the late 90s that to narrow the barrel of the bat oh man <laughs> i remember there was a game there's a tornado warning and uh, we're like in the early fourth yep. inning and uh we went to the tornado warning and then they came back from the warning but it was easily 25 30 minutes i'm still in the same half inning final <laughs> score 36 to 19 <laughs> and uh i was on the state that night and, and, and you believe it or not the, the fielders were wearing gloves yeah, I remember uh-huh. listening to some, and that yeah, you'd have the long games, and then you'd have the weather, and this is always synonymous if you call baseball. Is you've got the chance during this time of year to have games just starting first pitch at like you know eleven thirty p.m. and just insane stuff in conference tournaments, and I'm, I know you guys went through that during that time too. Well, great season for Ronda Ravel and that softball team. Very good, uh, good stuff. Now baseball, we got to bust through this Big Ted tournament. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, the Huskers have, you know, since joining the Big Ten, have struggled in, in a lot of sports in those conference tournaments at the season end. So hopefully they break through this time. You, uh, I, I want to mention one thing before we get off of softball. And, you know, we've talked about Nebraska's uh, success in, in volleyball in, in a program. But have you seen what Oklahoma does in softball? And their record? Their best player comes from Papillion. Yeah, their their record fifty four yeah. and one. Yeah, JB, they are on a <laughs> they're on a forty six game winning streak. First thing I would do if I were managing the opposing team is ask for a rover, <laughs> a fourth outfielder. Like, like you got at Holmes Lake, you got like Holmes Lake in the C League softball games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like bring out one of the parents. You can cover shallow right. I mean, yeah. this is. Yeah, it's unbelievable. They're dominant. So they're stealing players from our state. Bunch of thieves. Yeah. I'm just looking through the scores, too. 16 0, 14 0, 7 1, 3 0, 13 3, 10 0, 8 1, 10 2. I mean, it's Opponents insane. Opponents celebrating before the first pitch, just yelling out, we're tied. <laughs> Uh, that is a, uh, that is a dominant, dominant program right now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just to, to Nebraska baseball, it'll be, it will, it will be interesting to see because conference tournament always has to do with, you know, a pitcher feels like a pitcher kind of stepping up and taking it to another level. And then of course, depth of, of pitching and, and and I don't know with Nebraska, this version of Husker baseball has one of the great Husker baseball players of all time. Yeah. He's already easily on the all-time starting nine for Nebraska baseball, and that's Max Anderson. It mm-hmm. just never misses at bat. Yeah, he has one of the, most, the purest swings I've ever seen. It's all wrist. It's so quick. It's got everything: power, line drive. Everything's hard hit. He does remind me a little bit of Alex Gordon. Like you didn't take your eye off Gordon, Alex when he was at the plate in red, because you know the ball is going to get smashed. I mean, 
Max Anderson, it's just such a beautiful swing. You're just thinking, young baseball players, watch what he does. Coaches, coach what he does. It's a, it's a thing of beauty. The, 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 the speed with which he whips the bat, the contact he makes. I'd, I'd love it if he'd take a pitch or two. <laughs> the other night at the game, he swung at the first pitch three times. But uh, clearly it's working for him. Yeah, and, 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 and it's still crazy that you, you talked about kind of how the game has changed with the bats and, and those sorts of things, but this this team, you know, is who still still has to win this tournament to get to the NCAA tournament, yeah. but yet is putting up some of the most uh, the best power numbers that a Husker baseball team has ever put up, even going back to some mm-hmm. of those years when, you know, the, the Dan Hopper, and, uh, the uh, Dave Hopper and Dan Johnson years when they were really bashing it yep. around. And remember, this stadium, uh, Haymarket Park usually has the wind blowing in from the south. And when I mean usually, I mean like 90% of the time. I, I didn't track it this spring, but my memory is, you know, at most 10% of the time, the wind is blowing out towards right. So anyone who hits a fly ball to right, you really got to hammer it to get it out of there. So yeah. it's impressive. I'm just glad. You know, I'm glad because Nebraska gets one Big Ten championship event that comes back, you know, regularly. Uh, they got wrestling a while back, but but this baseball event is here in Omaha, and here in Omaha they have a contract for I don't know how long it is, but it's here a number of years. And to have it last year when Nebraska didn't even make the field for that, it was just such a disappointing, empty feeling. Mm-hmm. And watching the games was depressing. And so it'll be good. It'll be good to have them there and have the games going on today. And I, I still wonder what just continued warm weather, a very pro fan base in your favor at these games, plus a big stadium, how that's going to impact this team, and if that, if any of those factors make them look differently than they did throughout the conference season. Or, or more consistent, maybe, is the better way to say it. I think it might, but the big advantage, home field advantage that baseball accrues is the fact that the home team bats last. And so uh, that's a big advantage in the sport. So, the, I, you know, I just, I don't, do baseball players get moved as much as basketball and volleyball players and even football players by the, the, the cheering of Probably the crowds? Not. I don't I'm, know. I'm not sure for reasons we can debate, but you want to, but the fact that there'll be a lot of folks in red, I'm wondering how many you think, 20,000 plus? Well, it depends. I mean, depends. See, the deal is they don't play. The obvious, all the other games are today, and then the the four or five game is tomorrow with Nebraska at two p.m. Because Maryland, Big Ten gave Maryland the choice of what time they're going to play because they're the one seed, and of course they want to play sooner and get a day off if they win or mm-hmm. lose. And so, so Nebraska gets the second day. So, no, it won't be that big there today. But yeah. I mean, you can go back a couple of years. Nebraska got into the championship one year against Ohio State. Most recently, I was at that game. A few years behind that, against Indiana and Kyle Schwarber at the time. And yeah. I mean, those they were packed. I mean, that was an yeah. atmosphere. You got to get to that again. Yep. So that and would even be- if it is a matinee on a weekday. Come on, employers. Yeah. Tell your employees have a little break. Yeah, and a lot of kids are out of school by now too. Come on, sure. let's get let's get down there tomorrow. That would be fun. Maybe I'll maybe I'll figure out a way to uh, right. to do that. How about East High? Hey, I uh, yes, yes, first time since 1977 
uh, a Lincoln team is one class A baseball, and it was my Spartans. I think you look great with your chest shaved and painted blue. I think that's... <laughs> that is not me, no. It, it was sweet. And a Lincoln team won it. You probably talked about it already, but I was thinking about it. No, the funniest thing about this thing is uh, my, my son is a senior over there at East High. He used to be a member of, of this team up until this year, um, and so he had a very big vested interest in, in this whole thing. But we had to go to a graduation party up that night in Omaha, and no. so uh, we we went to that, but but we dropped him off at UNO to see the game. But he was wearing his clothes from the graduation party, which was like a teal a teal shirt. Well, it turns out all the students had a a whiteout planned, uh, and so the entire so every time that the Nebraska public media broadcast would shoot over to the East fans uh, reacting yep. to anything, the students going nuts. There's this one little uh, teal blip. <laughs> And if you ever see see the highlights, you could. That's my son. If you, he's very easy to find nice. on TV. So that was uh, we gave him. A, I always wish I was on a in a baseball dog pile. It never happened, but it sounds like fun. Maybe yeah. someday there's a bunch of like you know fifty somethings. You just sort of <laughs> we gotta go, do. Just go we to gotta win something. Yeah. yeah, like a pickleball game or something. Maybe I don't graduation know. Graduation parties, do's and don'ts. <laughs> that's that's uh, we need a top ten for that. But I love bringing questions. Like I'll meet the. The graduate, and I'll say, all right, biggest regret, what would you do over? <laughs> I shake those parties up. I love it. I don't get invited very often, I love it. Yeah, we party. just, I, you weren't at, I don't think you got an invite. My son no. had it. I hosted one last weekend. We we did that. Here's the other, here is the other, I can yep. make some more do's and don't list. Yep. Don't, if you're waiting to talk to a host or a graduate, don't just, when they're talking to someone else, don't just stand next to them and stare don't at them. Don't hang around. No, yeah. Don't just hang just around. Just yeah, sort of go leave, yeah. go to the no. go to the snack bar, yep. right? Go sign the guest book good and come call. back. That would There's be a good one. There's got to be something you can pull up. And how much dough do you put in the card? That's always a, a tough question. Well, we're, we're, we learned the market after uh, opening up the yep. cards here on Sunday morning. So, and that, what's the market? Uh, average, $20. Yeah. Average is... I put in... Average I put in 20. pesos one year. That didn't go over well. Yeah, uh, or or gift cards and that and that thing. But it, you kind of yeah. this is where you're evaluating when you've got yep. all these invites. You're evaluating your closeness to the families or the graduates. The yeah, graduates they don't want just well wishes. They want dough. No, this yeah, this is not something you do publicly, but really inside of families all over the city right now. People are saying, well, is this family and this graduate sort of a tier one? friend yep. of ours or more of a tier two friend of ours or maybe down yep. to a tier three friend of ours or so. uh, how did i get invited friend of mine yeah that's yes tier four is uninvited completely yep. <laughs> on the whole thing hey uh yesterday trev albert said that they're uh they're gonna at least be able to get the capacity for memorial stadium to, to a point that if it is completely filled and the fire marshal is okay with this that it would beat out that 99 World Cup game, the Brandy Chastain about shootout at the Rose Bowl, and it would be the number one American um, most attended women's sporting event, And which I think it's not, it's not as much as this soccer match that was held over, but still would be incredibly. What would, that, what would that mean if it actually got to that point? How big a deal would that be? Well, I'll give you an example. For years, I've been telling friends of mine from out of town about Nebraska volleyball. They don't really understand it. you got to experience it in person. But recently, I've been telling a few folks uh, from far away about this 85,000 seats going on, 92,000 seats sold. And they're amazed. And they yeah. say, yeah, it's going to knock out a World Cup final. And they're like, now, hold yeah. on, what is this? Yeah, Nebraska volleyball. And we're not even playing a top five opponent. This yeah. is all about Nebraska volleyball. Yeah, and they're amazed. So this is this is big for the sport. It's big for the state. 
Uh, I don't know anytime soon it's going to get knocked out of a Guinness Book of World Records. That's kind of exciting. Yeah, that's what I was thinking is um, and if the World Cup comes back, that would obviously be a be a shot at it. But you can't you can't really think of too many other – there just aren't too many other scenarios where this gets beat. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be eating my words in a few years, but I don't know what How it would be. How many venues? I mean, you better – Right. Hold some women's athletic event at a NASCAR stadium. They can't even get that many fans. I'm afraid Oklahoma's going to try and have a uh, no, have a softball game at Owen Field. That, what that, else are they going to steal? They stole our pitcher from Papillion. Yep. <laughs> so that's, that, that, keep an eye on that. But I don't think they can get enough. I don't know if they can get enough seats in there for that. If they have to put a softball field, if they yeah. have to align that thing for a I softball. I think Owen field. does have a smaller capacity than Memorial Stadium. Yeah, I wish we played there more often. Honestly, that's like uh, that's like w- one of the only uh, like serious serious eighty eight thousand three hundred eight is their uh, record attendance okay. there. Yes, they can't beat us. Yeah, doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like it. So anyway, we got that. And by the way, concert announcement uh, still apparently happening according to Trev Alberts, but waiting a couple more weeks until they announce just, that. How about just grab a a UNL cover band? That'd be all right. Don't spend any dough on some fancy. How about this? Don't pay a big amount to this uh, this band because we're doing them a favor. Hey, we got like a captive audience of ninety grand here. It w- know, so I don't think we have to pay much. Uh, it would not be it would not surprise me if there's some renegotiation renegotiation happening behind the scenes on what might have been initially arranged for. I don't know. I, I don't have any insight, but you can. I can see how that would be happening. After, you don't want a guaranteed audience of ninety grand? Well, you know, get lost, beat it. Right. I just, I don't know. Let's I find think, a better band. I think there's, there's probably a chance. There could be a variety of reasons why they're kind of waiting, waiting a little bit mm-hmm. down the road to announce this. But that could be, could be one. Coach of them. Cook absolutely wants the Killigans, right? <laughs> do, What's do his do the, favorite band? Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Sure. Yeah, that, that's a that'd be a tough. I, that game. would be. Sweet. Maybe oh. that's why they're not announcing it. Tech Nine doing Red Kingdom? No. <laughs> no. Uh, I, no, I, let's not do that. But Pearl Jam, I feel like that would be, that would be, uh, yeah, if you want to see the ticket prices really go up, that would be one way to get that. Um, hey, I, I wanted to, to ask you, JB, and I know nobody, uh, none of us know a ton right now because we just kind of heard about this yesterday, but. Um, we, the University of Nebraska has named a uh, priority candidate, I guess, to become the 21st chancellor of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, Rodney Bennett, Dr. Rodney Bennett. Southern Miss was there as the president for about 10 years, spent time at Georgia, Athens, uh, Middle Tennessee State University, um, Tennessee State, some other places in that in that area in the south. I know you probably don't know a lot. I don't know a lot at this point, but I'd just get like to get your sort of initial uh, initial thoughts on this process and and uh, what what's important and what a good chancellor would look like for the university. Well, the chancellor is the guiding visionary for a campus with a, a lot of really smart people, and uh, there are a lot of roles. You know, fundraising certainly primary among them, and but also. You know, making sure that uh, all the constituencies are, are pleased. So this is a, a really important hire. And recently in higher ed, there have been a lot of departures. Presidents not lasting very long. So that can set a, a college back. And this is a, a new beginning. I mean, this is a, a hire that comes from the outside. That doesn't happen uh, very often at the university. It's mm-hmm. been quite a while. And this is a person of color. And uh, a lot of you know, interesting, uh, you know, exciting 
reasons to, to support Dr. Bennett in every way and, and uh, hope this can only further the momentum. I mean, I'm sounding a little Pollyannish here, but if you look at the University of Nebraska's just footprint today and reputation today and, you know, participation in an elite academic athletic conference uh, you know, versus 30 years, it's night and day. I mean, the growth and improvement of that school is pretty remarkable. Uh, and I think there's even more room to go. So yeah. kudos to where they've been. Well, exciting time. And, and, and the chancellor comes in, the, you know, I agree with you on all those things. Lowest, but lowest enrollment since what two thousand nine? I think I read. That's a good point, but that's very common right now. Everybody's down a little bit, but you're heading into this demographic cliff. You see, back in two thousand eight, families had fewer children because of the, the then recession. Basically, fifteen percent fewer babies mm-hmm. during those years than normal, and it, it wasn't quite as big a drop in Nebraska, but it was a milder drop. But still. Colleges are bracing for a significant 15% decrease in the number of just 18 and 17-year-olds. And then there's this sort of skepticism that's developing. I don't, you know, buy into it, but, you know, it's certainly valid and uh, believed in some quarters uh, about, you know, whether it's worth the cost. So, yeah, there are some headwinds that uh, post-secondary education is facing right now. So this is a a critical hire, and um, the universities can you know try to get their mojo back on enrollment. They certainly have tons to offer, and so there's 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 no reason for this slip in enrollment to continue. To finish up, I thought of one more graduation party uh, piece of advice, and this is for the potential graduates themselves, which I know they're listening to you right now instead of yeah. taking finals. Oh, huge but- listeners. Oh. We get so many 16-year-olds in the morning. I love it. Uh, <laughs> once summer starts, we will, for sure. But, yes. but uh, yes, don't don't put yourself in a corner with your friends. Go out and talk to the adults who came to, to see you. Oh, my that gosh. Can you imagine one. if yeah. the teens would actually interact with the adults? Those would be great graduation parties. Hey. I, I, we had, I had, uh, the, the party that I was at you know, with my son and another friend. They did a great job with that. We complimented, nice. complimented them afterwards. So, and also, if you're everybody loved with it. your chums, get off your phone. Like, you're with your chums. <laughs> with your chums. What is it, 1927? Holy cow. All right. I think friends is an overused word, Facebook friends. Those are mammals who have heard of you. So, you want to call it Facebook chums? All right. Um, JB, great to talk to you. Covered a lot of ground everywhere. Uh, look forward to catching up again next week. All Instead right? of Facebook friends, Meta Mammals. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Thank you, though. <laughs> John Baylor. Save it to wrap up the show after this on KLIN.